Welcome, everybody, to the Internet Writing Buddies podcast. It is yours truly, Grace, a.k.a. the Graceful Renegade. And I am so delighted, as always, that Ben, a.k.a. Dork in the Road, is here with me today. Hello, Ben. How are you? That was a very sarcastic delighted. And uh, I just want (laughs) you to know, I appreciate your sarcasm. I am here. I'm Ben. I'm the dork in a chair. And I'm ready to crush it and talk about our very exciting upcoming event that we're attending before we jump into the topic. Yes. So there is some very exciting news. Ben and I are going to be attending a lovely event together in October. And what event is that, Ben? It's the Utah Three-Step Desert Rodeo just outside of Moab. I'm finally going to Moab. I've always wanted to go to Moab. And uh, I... Some fast talking. I convinced them to let me bring Grace. So, yeah. uh, super fast. So, thanks to Colorado Motorcycle Adventures for that invitation. And uh, it's going to be like, I'm biased because I get to go, obviously. But is, we're, we're dry. Like, I have to pay to get there. So, like, I'm paying money to go to this event because I think it's good. And then we're giving like a presentation kind of speech thing. So, um, we get to like do the stuff there. But, it's a kind of an intimate event, only 50 people max at a uh, kind of a unique, what do they call it? There was a really good thing, and I've already lost it. Um, yeah, it's just like kind of a ranch with like bunkhouses and teepees and stuff that's kind of set up for moto outside of Moab. It's private property, yeah. and but they have like a ton of like all good rallies, tracks that'll lead you into and, you, you know, so you're close enough to do white rim and slick rock and all those things if you want to, but also a bunch of kind of stuff that uh, isn't as known and popular because it's, you can just jump right on the trails from this location, which is the three-step hideaway, which is pretty cool. Are yep, you excited? It's going to be so rad. Also, uh, just to note, I also have never been to Moab, so this will be a first time for... Ben and myself, I have spent a lot of time in that area, but never directly down in Moab. So I'm super stoked about it. As always, very happy to be Ben's sidekick, uh, looking good and being able to speak well does not uh, does not hurt anything either. But uh, the pretty face will be attending the brains of the operation. So it's going to be a good time. I'm excited to get down there and ride and also just meet the other lovely attendees who will be there and talk about why we do what we do. So yeah, yeah very excited. If you want to yeah. come, you can moto camp it. They have cabins, they have teepees. You can bring your RV or camp out of your car. This is a, it's a full, like full service, all inclusive event. So breakfast and dinners included. Um, I've been told in my meeting with them that there will be beverages available, uh. um, which is one of my favorite so we shall we say fringe benefits and then there's evening entertainment one evening is us talking about yes. i mean I, I i've toyed with maybe even trying to record a podcast then but i think it's not interactive enough i think we probably should just present and talk to people and maybe just film it for the channel yeah. or something but maybe we'll uh we'll see what you guys are down for maybe we'll just do a live youtube and uh have everyone be there with us um we obviously won't be be able to pay attention to you oh you know what i didn't think about that well yeah if anything we can record it and release later but uh yeah we're super excited 
Very, uh, very stoked to have some things to look forward to towards the end of the season, too. I know we all have usually like a crazy June and July, but to have something in October, which is my favorite month of the year to ride, is such a nice thing to look forward to. So I cannot wait for that. It's going to be great. Yeah, October 2nd through 6th. And uh, if you want to come hang out with us, uh, we'll just I'll put a link in the description of my video. And I think you can work it into the description of the of the audio stuff, yes. too. I will I will have a link uh, in our notes for the episode of the podcast so that anyone who wants to go again, I think there's only 50 spots. So if you want to go sign up quickly, they will probably be gone at the drop of a hat. But in the meantime, Ben and I were really kind of excited about today's topic for a lot of reasons. Um, one is because I think we both just love to camp and be outside no matter rain or shine or snow. And uh, the other is I know that Ben and I are teaming up with Moto Camp Nerd for the foreseeable future to be doing some fun camping videos and things like that. So this is going to be just kind of a fun summer for us. And this is a fun kickoff into the riding spring season. And we are going to be talking about shoulder season camping today, which I know a lot of people don't really enjoy for a lot of reasons we're going to talk about. And a lot of that is due to the unpredictability of mother nature. But I think Grace, Ben and is, I put... What is shoulder season camping? So shoulder season camping is what a lot of people also think of as in-between season camping. So those months in between, uh, essentially spring and summer, when it's warm enough during the day that you want to get out and ride and then maybe try and rough it out and camp in the evening, this is what I'm talking about. This also applies to between fall and winter, although it's definitely a little colder uh, that time of year, but We've got some tips and tricks for you, and we're usually outside doing a lot of this stuff ourselves, so you are hearing it from uh, self-proclaimed experts in that category, at least. I'm not an expert, no. <laughs> I have experience. Sorry, I never I, call myself an expert. I kind of think I'm an expert at being outside. You know, If you want to hate on me for it, that's fine, but I lived off my motorcycle for 14 months and spent most of that in a tent, so... Yeah, no, I, think, why, I think I've earned my stripes. <laughs> that's why you're here to lend us some credibility. And I asked the definition because the first time I heard it, I didn't know what it was. Yes, and I'm which... not embarrassed to admit that. Um, but then that was also a time when I didn't do it. So, yeah. Um, and I've since discovered that uh, it's not the horrifying, harrowing ordeal that I thought it was. And in fact, it's some of my favorite camping to do. For Absolutely. Reasons we'll get into. Yeah. And I think best way to kick this off is probably going to be everybody's main concern, which is the ever changing tides of mother nature. And this can be one of the biggest issues if you're doing shoulder season camping, because it can go from being a beautiful 65 to 70 degree day to 30 degrees and sleeting. How do you deal with these types of things? And the biggest one is always have a backup plan or two for a campsite. One of the reasons I usually do this is because just because it's raining in one region doesn't mean it's raining another, especially in Oregon. So if you can pick a couple of spots within about 45 minutes to an hour of each other, a lot of the times you can kind of take a guess at where the weather is going to be worse or better and have a backup plan for that. Obviously, having all weather gear is super important. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't really like the heavy jackets, pants, whatever else. But 
it's totally worth it, especially if you are going to be doing that type of riding where you're riding in sunshine and then you go up in the mountains at elevation and during shoulder seasons, anytime you're at elevation, it is a lot colder than you think it is up in the mountains. So making sure you have extra layers, even if they are a little bulky is great. And last but not least is my favorite tip that I give to everybody camping in general. Be humble and don't be too proud to book a hotel for the night because there's just going to be some times where temperature is going to drop. It's going to be raining, snowing, sleeting, insane winds. You just don't know. And honestly, if it feels dangerous or you don't feel like you really want to tough it out, book a motel. Just do it. There's probably one within an hour of you. I can promise you that. And probably not an expensive one. Those Super 8s are great for a reason. So, Ben, how are you feeling about those? Those seem pretty spot on. Yeah, so it's this is... This is why I love um, working with you because not just and I, I I didn't tell you beforehand, but I was texting with Shaheen from uh, from Moto Corsa yesterday. Ah, Shaheen, we love you. He's just like I love the podcast. It's so good. You guys have such a great dynamic. And I was like, I know it's really cool to be able to work with someone that matches your energy and brings as much to the table as you do, or, or probably more. If we're being if we're being honest. Um, but also a thing that I believe is a real strength is that we both love and do the same thing, but we have completely different perspectives. Yeah. Like, because I've never lived off my motorcycle for 14 months. Um, so all the tips you just gave are great. They all apply. But um, I think more so if you're traveling and camping, right? Because yeah. for me, a, a shoulder season camping trip is a, that's a ride to camp. That's a, I'm going to go yeah. there and I'm going to camp and I like to do it off the motorcycle, but I like to be super prepared and super comfortable. And so I, I, I'm not going to do hard riding to get there necessarily because I want to bring more stuff. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, so, so, but what you're saying still apply, like multiple ideas for campsites. Even I've, I've had it rain in one campsite in a campground and not in another one, like yeah. sometimes, yep. um, or you just bring the setup that enables you to deal with whatever weather ends up coming. And, and it, and we talked about this in the last podcast, but a tarp, is like incredibly useful in so many ways uh, yeah. up to and including, which is one of the ways you can deal with one of my least favorite things about this type of camping is, which we'll get to, which is wet gear, but setting yeah. up, I learned this trick actually from Chris Critter Moto, but setting up your tent under the tarp, yeah. not because it's overkill or double, but because then you're not in the rain when you're setting up and when you're tearing it down. Absolutely. So, I um, know. And we talked about this in the last episode too, but I mean, I had so many people give me trouble about having a tarp when I traveled originally, uh, especially Alex. And like, once we had a couple of situations where it was super useful, you just, you'll never have a doubt about bringing it again. I promise. It's definitely like number one camping thing I recommend for shoulder season, just because you never know what the weather is going to do. Yeah. And for maybe the newer uh, people, because if you're like an experienced hiker, backpacker mm -hmm. type person, you already know this, but we're, at least I'm not talking about a blue plastic tarp from Walmart because they're bulky. They don't last very long. You want, you don't need to go up to the super fancy $900 ripstop sill nylon, whatever, but a nylon tarp, yeah, a, a camping tarp, um, or, or a shelter or whatever, you can get them on Walmart. Like, I have a few that I've used. I have one that's still, I've been on my shelter up here at the house for a year now. Yeah. And it's just fine. And that was like an $11, $12, $20 tarp. Yeah. So, they're great. Because they're, they, they're so much more compactable. Yeah. Well, just to feed off of that, I know uh, if you are doing a ride to camp situation versus a traveling camp situation, 
One of my other tips that comes to picking a site comes with elevation. During shoulder seasons, I think some of the best ways to avoid catastrophe are to pick campsites that are at lower elevations because obviously getting up at higher elevations is beautiful and super scenic. But the minute the sun goes down, which is early because it's winter, winter and early spring, um, once you kind of get into those like early days and the temperature drops and you're at elevation, you have no guarantee that the wind's not going to get crazy, that a storm might come through. And when you are higher up, it's colder. So what might be rain in the valley is going to be snow on the mountain. So I think it's just a lot easier to make sure you're picking lower elevation sites during shoulder seasons of any kind, because then you just avoid that kind of harsher climate you get when you get higher up. Yep. And that that's always good advice. And some it's harder in some places and easier in others because here mother nature tells you when you're at too high of an elevation because there's snow on the ground because it's not melting because it's not getting below freezing and you know this is either you're prepared for it and you're doing that on purpose or it's going to be cold it's going to be cold and you you need to be prepared for that regardless but uh and we also lose access to a lot of the nice high elevation campsites at least here because you just can't get there snow is uh there's snow until june you know, I, I read the other day it peaks in April, which really shifted my thinking about uh, snowfall and when it's, which is why the BDRs don't open until July generally. Yeah. But, but yeah, elevation just... is, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Elevation, elevation go ahead. is something that maybe people don't think about as much. I like to go, like, I'll check the weather for here, but I'll also, even at my favorite campground that's close by, that's like 20 minutes away, I will check literally the weather there. Uh, yeah. Because it's often very different. Like, there's a lot more often snow in the forecast. And I think, we're at 800 feet here, and if that place is at 1,500, I'd be surprised. Yeah, uh, we're at we're at like 3,500 here in Bend, so we're higher no matter what high desert. But again, like we get some of our best snow for skiing and snowboarding in like end of March through May, like early May. So if you keep that in mind, like especially as a motorcycle enthusiast who likes to camp, like you definitely need to be picking those lower elevations and also. At that point, going over to the valley, kind of where Ben is, if you are Oregon and, and kind of local here, like just making sure you're finding lower elevation because otherwise you're almost guaranteed to get snow on. So yeah, and if, and yeah. if you're in a deserty mountain or rockier, like if you don't live in a, cl- in a temperate climate like we do, yeah. you, one, you already know this, but two, the snow is not going to be there to tell you not to go up there. Yeah. But, um, it gets it cold like cold temperature fluctuations in a desert environment are unbelievable so insane even during the summer i mean we'll yeah. have 30 to 40 degree swings no problem yeah uh speaking of 30 to 40 degree swings so this is something i think a lot of particularly motorcycle people forget about which is making sure you're prepared for being at camp When you're at camp, again, shoulder seasons, it's going to get darker earlier. Uh, It's going to get colder faster and you're going to be in it longer. So as a result, you need to make sure you're going to be warm while you're in camp. One of the things I always do is I always bring um, one of those really compact down blankets. That's not my sleeping bag uh, because I'll wrap myself in it and then sit in my camp chair that's off the ground so that I can stay warm which is one thing that really helps. Two, I swear by a jet boil for a lot of reasons, but one of the big ones is that you can always boil, you know, some soup, some tea, coffee even if you need it. 
Um, I love a good hot toddy after riding, just like make some tea, put a little bourbon in it and chill. But it's such a good asset to have. It's also great for heating up water and putting it in a couple of water bottles and throwing those into your sleeping bag to get your, your sleeping bag warm before you hop in if it's really, really cold outside. So lots of uses there as well. But those are definitely some of my recommendations. And also making sure you're bringing something to do, because if you're just sitting there, relax, whatever, it's great, especially if you have good company. But sometimes it gets to be like seven, eight o'clock at night and everybody kind of wants to crawl into their tent, bring a book, bring some cards, you know, just something like that that you could do to keep yourself occupied until you get tired enough to pass out. Yep. Yep. Well, my one of my favorite things huh, about uh, camping in these seasons is also one of the worst things, and that's it's cold. So, um, sorry, it's one of the best activities because yeah. I enjoy the fact that I need the fire to stay warm. Um, but also it's a little stressful, but yeah. fortunately there's not really any, like you have time to process firewood cause there's not a lot else you can do. Um, but I like to get, it's not one of those situations where you want to get there like right at dark right. and start trying to find firewood and process firewood. Right. It's better, you know, to get there earlier. This is again, the ride to camp versus camp to ride thing. But, uh, if you get there early enough to find firewood, process it because you need the, fu- the fire to stay warm because if you don't have enough firewood and the fire you run out, you got to go in your tent because it's the only way to stay warm. Yeah. Um, and it's darker longer. So not only something to do, but something that you can do in the dark. Yes. So a book without a headlamp is not great. Um, and emergency but also, stuff. Sorry, have a headlamp. Have a headlamp. Yeah, Always should, have yeah. a headlamp. Yeah. It's dark at 4.30 in the afternoon. You should probably yeah. have a headlamp. Yes. Uh, you can't read by the lights of your bike. I guess you could. I'm not going to. Nobody, nobody needs to do that. You're going to kill your battery. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. I just picture somebody sitting out there with a... In front of the in front of the lights of the bike, just it running, trying to keep them warm, yeah. that kind of thing. Situation, fabulous. Yeah, I mean, I think the fire is kind of a quintessential thing, especially because obviously, like we really only worry about fires during the summertime. Obviously, you need to be mindful of making a fire out there. You know, if it's super dry, even during winter, you got to be careful. But make sure you're checking when fires are banned, etc. But during the winter, that could be such a lifesaver. Um, Literally. One of the other ones, too, is making sure when you're pitching your tent or putting your camp somewhere that you are kind of shielded from the elements as best you can. Sometimes being able to get your tent in a space where you're blocked from the wind, whether that be with rocks or trees or what have you, is a really smart decision, especially during the winter. One of the other things I always try and do is I use the compass on my phone to get my tent facing uh, basically east. Um, so that I can, and east and south, so that this, when the sun comes up, my tent is like the first to get hit. So it's warm in the morning. So there's nothing worse than freezing your ass off when you're trying to get out of bed in the morning. It sucks. Um, and also trying to stay away from cold bodies of water. I mean, that could be a river, that can be a lake, anything like that. Because during the winter, those obviously get way colder than normal. And if you have a wind rush kind of come in, that's blowing wind through your camp right over a body of water that's freezing, probably going to be colder than you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting because those are both strategies that are the opposite of what you do in the summer. So it's important yes. to think about those things. It's like, 
I don't want the sun coming up on my tent in the summer. I don't need to be awakened by the heat or the light. So at four um, in the morning. Yeah, yeah no things thanks. are different. <laughs> so if you're not accustomed to shoulder season camping, yeah. these are the kinds of things you might not think about. The windbreak yes. one is a good one. Yeah. Um, and guess what else could be used as a windbreak? A tarp. Just saying. <gasps> yes, it saying. can. You Again, can another tarp. reason to have a tarp or maybe a neck gator. That yeah, can- <laughs> you know, in a pinch, a neck gator can be stretched out to a large area and uh, block a lot of wind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> tie a couple together. <laughs> yeah, right. I always keep at least 50 neck gaiters on me at all times. I know. You're all about the neck gaiters, so I yeah. get that. I wear them just bunched up on my neck, all of them, so I can just pull one off at a time. <laughs> so I end up, you know, getting a little bit of a stretch action going on, but whatever. Yeah. It's not important. I know. Not a big deal. I know. It's not important. Well, I guess uh, one of the other more obvious things, but that people might not think of is making sure that you have dry bags for all of your stuff. That is definitely something especially for spring shoulder season that you need to have because you are going to deal with things other than just like water, obviously of sleep, but you also have mud, like a lot of mud, especially if you are in a rainy environment or even a snowy environment. And so making sure you keep your extra clothes and the things that are going to keep you warm at night dry is very important. Yeah. And if you bring another pair of shoes and you're not just hanging out in your boots all night, it is nice to have, a dry bag works for this. A neck gator actually does not work for this. But yeah. a tarp is just something to stand on that you can change your shoes on without having to do the awkward balance while you're doing it. Uh, you know, and it depends on how much extra gear you bring. But if you yeah. have a nice, I don't love, well, I don't love wearing my boots around camp for two reasons. One, it's just less comfortable. And right. two, I've melted, I can't tell you how many pairs of expensive motorcycle boots because I'm a dumbass. And uh, I, li- I like to stop doing that. So I don't want to yeah. wear my boots around the fire if I can avoid it. So I always bring my LLB. I mean, I wear these things everywhere. I take them everywhere with me. But they have awesome rubber soles on the bottom. Um, and so I bring them everywhere with me because I really firmly believe you should be out of your boots at the end of the day. I'm one of those people. Um, especially, too, if you do have wet boots, one of the best ways to dry them is pop them on the exhaust pipe. And just let that hot air go in. It'll at least somewhat dry out the inside if it's pretty, pretty wet. But um, that's usually what I end up having to do because I get very sweaty when I ride and it's gross. But that's a whole other story. But anyway, highly recommend having camp shoes, slippers, get out of those boots. Your feet will thank you. Um, also, dry socks for the win. Always. Well, y'all, y'all know I love those Merrill Hut mock slippers yeah. so much so that. I was recommending them in a, my 2022 camping gear video, and then I found a bunch of them at Sierra, which is like um, Ross for camping gear. Yeah, and great. Uh, but they were like on clearance because they were they were discontinued. So I bought three pair uh, in my size because they had them because uh, they also have a rubber bottom. They're not great in like walking around in wet grass because no. the top is not waterproof. But to keep your feet dry and off of the ground in a comfortable and warm way. And they, they replace them with a pair that I need to get, but I now have three pairs of the other ones with packable ones that actually zip together. So they're like this tall, like yeah. a couple inches tall, and your bag is all. Um, so those are, I love those. They're awesome. I wear, I'm wearing a pair right now, like no kidding, not planned, yeah. but I totally am 100%. Yeah. Having, having dry feet is a huge deal because if you have cold, wet feet during shoulder season, it can get so, so gnarly. Um, These have seen some use, by the way. They used to be orange. Yeah, I wear too. Them I mean, all the time. I'm all about having a nice slipper on hand. 
obviously, I think one of the bigger ones that, you know, is, is kind of given is make sure you're bringing layers for yourself, like multiple layers, um, quick dry things, wool thing. I love merino wool. I actually swear by wool. It's one of the things I always have on me, but hat, gloves, neck gaiter, um, you know, a nice down jacket so that when it gets super, super cold, you can kind of even tuck that under your motorcycle jacket and put that on and it'll keep you extra warm. I do that a lot during shoulder season camping. I just bring my extra really small, thin down layer jacket and put it on underneath my motorcycle jacket and it keeps me so warm. So those are just kind of common things that I think a lot of people might might think of but just remember always have a shit ton of layers on you you just don't know how cold it's gonna get well it's a nice obvious what it's less obvious but because riding there is also cold so yeah you're a lot of your gear is double duty so like i always wear a base layer and a mid layer and i don't take them off like that's also what keeps me warm around the campfire i don't need both and then like you say you can bring a packable down jacket which is they can be very small, easy to right. throw in wherever or wear as your mid layer. I've done that in a jacket with enough room. Yeah. And uh, even if you like, I like to take my riding pants off and put on a pair of uh, a fleece soft shell pants. Uh, yeah. But I still have my base layer underneath. I sleep in that base layer. Like it's like the old timey red pajamas. It is. When, when you're it's in the cold. Super crusty when we're out camping because we all have those base layers on twenty four seven. Oh, it's so bad. But don't um, over don't underestimate the value of a hat. Yes. You probably don't have one of those. You might. There are base layers that you can wear on your head, but you need something to keep one. You lose a lot of heat through your head. Keep your ears warm. Uh, in a pinch, do you know what can work for that? A pair of socks. No, or what a neck else? A, a neck gator. There It'll we go. Kind of warm, but not as much as a wool beanie. No, honestly, a wool, I swear, again, I know I'm biased. I swear by wool. Um, I obviously, there's a lot of people that are anti-wool, anti-down, whatever else you're entitled. But um, I am very pro-wool and pro-down because I just don't think there's anything that's as warm, especially when it comes to beanies. I am somebody that is cold all the time so i have wool beanies i wear all the time they're the only thing that keeps my head warm and i swear by them so you know obviously if you have your opinions on that maybe not wool but try and find something that's going to keep you warm that's just the biggest thing for the record they don't kill the sheep when they take their wool they don't actually you know obviously i think back in the day things used to be a little less humanitarian but i spent a lot of time in Iceland and places where they take the wool and it's actually very humane and fine. And they actually have to take the, uh, they actually have to get the wool from the sheep. So they stay healthy. It's a whole thing. So it's okay. PETA don't yell at us. We're fine. I could, I could go on a tangent here because one of my wife's best friends is a sheep ranching family and they don't, uh, the wool is a byproduct. They're not raising sheep for the wool. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah, so they actually it's do the kill them because of the Pe- meat. But yeah. that's not what the wool is. That's not where the wool comes from. So there. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. It's like all these people are now obsessed with alpaca, which, by the way, alpaca is very warm. I have a scarf up there that's made from alpaca. Fuzz. The ceilings? so warm. But again, it's a necessity. You have to get the, the wool off of them. Otherwise, it's just going to become a hazard for them, especially as it gets warmer. So anyway, yeah, weird, that's my soapbox. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Don't you love when we get on our soapboxes? Um, last but not least from my list, and then Ben can add a couple of things if he would like, but 
Make sure you have at least a three-season sleeping bag. Also, the water bottle trick I talked about earlier with the jet boil is something I have done on many occasions where you just put really hot water in like kind of like a plastic water bottle where you can feel the heat, throw it into, you know, I usually do it down by where my feet are um, just because it helps get the sleeping bag nice and warm. Um, Also making sure you have a sleeping bag pad because it gets you off of the cold ground. And I know most people are like, well, duh, but like you would be surprised how many people don't think about that. So make sure you have a pad that gets you off the ground, keeps your body a little bit warmer. That's insulated. (laughs) That's insulated. Yes. You got to keep in mind, you may not have ever tested the extremes of your sleeping bag, but those ratings are at least 10 degrees, if not 20 degrees generous. They are. Yeah. They are survival ratings, so I always add 20 degrees just to feel safe. You yeah. can throw in a sleeping bag liner. Those are not expensive, and they supposedly add like 10 degrees because it's just another air pocket that keeps warm air around you. Excuse me. Those are good. Um, yeah. And uh, sleeping pad, not just a good sleeping pad, but our value matters in a way that it does not. In the summer, it doesn't matter. You may not even know what your R value of your pad is. It may not even have one because when you're sleeping on the ground, in the summertime, it's 60 degrees at night. You don't care. But yeah. the grounds, you're better off on a sleeping pad with no sleeping bag than you are in a sleeping bag with no sleeping pad because 100%. the ground sucks all of the warmth out of your body and you need yeah. to be insulated from it. Uh, so that is important. And it's good of you to mention that. I want to talk about fire making really quickly because it, it is on your list. Um, yeah. Because the other thing, just kind of thinking about things that are different when you're camping in the shoulder seasons than when you're camping in the summer is getting a fire going is different because you're not surrounded by dry leaves, twigs, um, uh, fir needles. Like you go pull the dead fir branch off a tree in the, in the summertime and you can get a fire going anywhere. Right. uh, And we don't have birch bark here with sucks. I watch all my Canadian YouTubers camping and they always just have birch bark. So they have ready-made tinder at all times and we don't. So you got to bring a fire starter, you got to know how to make feather sticks, which is hard, um, yeah. or bring something for tinder. Uh, every time I talk about fire starters, someone always comes in with, well, I just soak cotton balls and Vaseline. Yes, that also works. It's yeah. gross, so I like the fire starters that are self-contained, and I don't have to worry about it. But yeah. you do you, baby boo. The point is, <laughs> you can't just light a match and have a fire go when everything's wet. you got to start with smaller twigs and work your way up as it the the wood has to be dried out as it burns you got to split your larger pieces you can't just throw logs on so that the dry part on the inside is exposed to keep your fire going and i've i've learned all of these things the hard way including that detroit trip with the the quote-unquote magic fire in travis's video where it was burning but it was not hot and i i've since gone back and looked at the footage and realized while i stayed near camp and pulled down all the dead stuff i could find they marched off into the woods and came back with like a 30, 40 foot tree that I'm pretty sure wasn't dead. Uh, <laughs> it just didn't have any leaves because it was winter. So I think we were burning a green tree most of the night and that was the problem. But don't yeah. don't cut. You shouldn't really cut down anything. I always have no. to make that caveat. You're supposed to go dead down and dry. Now, if you're pruning de- uh, dead standing trees from the forest, I would say that's a gray area. It's the only way to get dry wood for us. Yeah. Um, in the wintertime is if it's on the ground, it's already ruined. Yeah. But you need to know that it's dead before you cut it down. Um, and, or you, leaning you, ones. Leaning ones are my favorite because yeah. you know it's dead, but it's not on the ground and ruined. Yeah. But just be Obviously, careful. Yeah, just be careful and know that, like, if a tree is still alive, it's not going to burn well. So no. you don't want to do that to yourself anyway. It's double bad. Uh, yeah. And also, don't hurt the trees. It's your wind block. Take advantage of it, you know? 
Yeah, if everyone started cutting down trees, there'd be no trees. So yeah, let's not do clearing that, the dead crap from the ground is good for the forest. Cutting yes. down live trees is bad. Agreed. Also, having activities like getting into a lightsaber duel after having a couple beers <laughs> is also a good way to stay warm. Who would do that? Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're awesome. You're awesome. Okay, well, let's talk about why people should consider going shoulder season camping camping and what what we like about it so um let me tell you just a few of my favorite things and then i'll let you fill in and correct everything i said uh so one of my favorite things is there are spots that there's a like for example there's this great spot up near a campground on highway 20 i'm not going to say where it is uh because i don't want to have to fight for it even harder but you it's right on the river and you cannot get it in the summer and even if you do, there's another site right next to it. So even if you manage to get it, you're going to have neighbors. Uh, and that's not what I go to the woods for. So, uh, but in the, in the winter, spring, fall, I can get it basically every time I drive up there. I don't even worry about, I mean, I have backup spots up there because obviously I've needed them. But in the springtime, you can, or in the shoulder seasons, you can get those good spots that you can't otherwise get. And a yeah. gorgeous spot next to a lake or by a river is still gorgeous, even if it's not summertime. So, yeah. uh, no competition for spots and you don't have to you can go spontaneously so which is good because in shoulder seasons you got to watch the weather right but forget about going up on a friday night and finding a spot in the summertime you can't you used to be able to when i was a kid not anymore covid like ruined that because now everyone knows about camping yeah Um, keep waiting for that to revert and it hasn't yeah Uh, (laughs) but you you can go up anytime you want in the winter and probably get the spot because there's not that many people out camping and really the big shall we say the normies, the uh, the fair weather campers, they really do stick to that Memorial Day to Labor Day. Yeah. So before Memorial Day and after Labor Day, the competition is much less fierce, in especially in wild camping spots. RV parks, not so much. Yeah. Um, also, so just I, a quick tip for anybody camping during any season. Obviously, shoulder seasons are different, but if you can swing weekdays for camping, it's usually the best time. Just want to add that in. Yep, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I love the the shoulder seasons because there's no fire bands. Yeah. We, especially nowadays, it's like all pretty summer. Much that, that Memorial yeah. Day to Labor Day window, you can't have fire. No and fires. We've had yeah. it banned earlier and last longer in the last few years. And so if you like campfires as much as I do, yep. um, you can have one. It can be as big as you want and you need it. That's what's cool is like. It's just—it's not just the centerpiece and conversation piece. It's the thing keeping you warm, so you can yeah. do the camp. It's just a whole different feel. Yeah. But you're also—I'm not saying don't worry about fire safety, but I'm not all butt puckery and paranoid when it's pouring down rain and the ground is soaked, Absolutely. or I'm next to literal snow. So it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. Hundred uh, percent. I like that the sun. Uh, what? No. Okay. Well, in the in the winter time. It sucks, but in the shoulder seasons, you actually do have a decent amount of daylight. So I just yeah. saw a post the other day that, like, started like tomorrow or the next day, the sun is gonna come up or is gonna go down after six, and it won't go down before six until the end of October. So, Yay! in like December around the solstice, it sucks because the sun literally goes down like four twenty p.m. Oh God, it's so terrible. It's so dark all the time. But, so that's like <laughs> you get there and it's dark, and you're like, oh, cool, we're camping. But nowadays, yeah. right, like right now, mid February, late February. You can, you've got two more hours than that on either side yeah. of the day. So there's more usable sunlight. Also, um, quick side note winter, 
and spring have the best sunrises of the year. Um, it's just, I, I don't know what it is, but I swear to you, the sunrises are just so much more epic and wonderful. So that is a great reason to go shoulder season camping. Cause obviously like Ben said, you can have kind of a campsite or a space kind of to yourself, but to have it to yourself, and sit there and watch the sun come up with all the beautiful colors, the reds, the oranges. It's just unreal. So highly, that's one of my favorite parts about honestly doing camping during the winter and spring is just waking up early, having some coffee and watching the sun come up. Cause it's just, it's epic. It's absolutely epic. Yeah. And it's rising and setting at a reasonable hour. You don't yeah. have to get up at four 30 in the morning to no. see the sun come up. Seven. You can roll yeah. out of bed at seven turn yep. the jet boil on and the sun's coming up at seven fifteen. so yeah yeah i think the other thing i like the most about this type of camping is it's generally lit more laid back aside from needing more firewood yeah um you're generally not on a seven day trip where you're trying to ride as late as you can set up yeah. as quick as you can sleep get up pack up go it's usually just like eh, i feel like sleeping in the woods tonight having a couple beers you go out there's not a lot to do around camp necessarily and so it just tends to be more of a laid-back chill i'm just here in the woods listening to the rain on my tarp or whatever kind of situation yeah or having a lightsaber battle right in the cool fog at sunrise mm -hmm. yep while smoking awesome. a cigar yep yeah yeah i uh i tend to actually like it for the same reasons that ben does too i like when there's less people that's one of the main reasons i love being outside as much as i am and during the summer, it's obviously great because you do have a lot of daylight hours. You can cover a lot more ground, but it also means that you have a lot more people that want to be out and about, and that can be a little less relaxing for the Mother Nature time. So it's definitely a bonus to be out in the middle of nowhere by yourself, even if it's a little cold. You know, it pays off in other ways. Yep. And probably my couple least favorite things about this type of camping is you need so much more stuff just because yeah. I need to, you know, and since I got that, that, uh, that puffy jacket pants and booties from Moto Camper, like those are in my bag every time I go yeah. winter camping, just stuff oh, like yeah. that. And wet, wet gear sucks. Like, because you have to pack it up wet and not yeah. everything, everything gets wet. Like you pack up your tent when it's wet, your sleeping bag is going to get a little wet and yeah. you have to unpack everything when you get home. If you're lucky enough to even have a place to dry it out, like a garage or whatever, yeah. but you can't put that stuff away wet. And especially because you're not using it all the time because it's not the summer, you right. really need to make sure everything is dry. Otherwise, you get mold and nasty garbage and stuff. Yeah. And again, yeah, it sucks because everything does get wet. I guess from if you are doing more of a traveling trip, just tip for everybody. Um, if you stop for lunch or somewhere where there is a break in weather, that's the time to get the wet tent out and let it dry over your bike if you go in and like take a break for an hour um mm -hmm. or if it's just still dumping and everything's soaked and you have no other option get your tent into like the motel hotel bathroom crank the fan if they have one and just try and get it dry also a hair dryer if they have one will also help but that's the best way that i have found to dry things out is just when you have a break in weather take it get the wet stuff out i know it's a pain in the ass but sometimes you don't have another option um, especially if you're doing like a weekend camp trip, like obviously if you have a base camp, you can leave your tent up and it will hopefully dry out throughout the day. But if you're moving around or going somewhere else, sometimes you have to pack up a wet tent and wet gear. And that is, that's kind of one of the only downsides for me other than freezing my ass off. But you know, that's why we have gear. So yeah. Right. Right. 
Well, yeah. so what would you say to someone who is interested but not sure that it, uh, shoulder season camping is for them? I would say just try it for a night. Go for one round and see how you do. Bring a friend with you. Uh, that way, if it really sucks and you guys are just like, whatever, you can just pack up and go home at 10 o'clock at night. Don't feel like you have to stick it out if you're miserable, but definitely try it for a night first. Pick a spot that's close to home, not too far in case you need to head out for any reason, but just give it a shot. If you hate it, you hate it. You don't have to do it again, right? But just make sure you're prepared. Have the things that we've kind of talked about so you stay warm um, and safe. But yeah, you never know until you find out. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I, same. Like You kind of covered basically <laughs> all of it. Somewhere close. <laughs> Uh, it helps to be able to control your environment. So a, a campsite you're familiar with helps. Um, and somewhere you can buy firewood is really nice. Yes. That they have dry firewood that you can purchase, which some campgrounds have firewood, but it's not dry. Looking at you, rivers, river bend. Because for some reason, their shed, they keep it in leaks. So I always have to split and dry firewood when I buy it from them. Um, and go in your car the first time if you're not sure. Because yeah. it's easier to just leave or you can sleep in your car if it sucks. Like, yeah. But the like take those baby steps, break the seal, and eventually it's old hat easy. Yeah. Car is a great first way to start too, because then you can easily bring a buddy with you. Mm-hmm. Um and, and if weather gets weird, you can pop in the car, throw the nasty tent in the back and get out of there, you know, grab some Taco Bell on your way home and just say, Whatever, we gave it a shot, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Oh, I think we covered a lot of ground, Ben. Did we miss anything? Uh, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, I think we got everything. What's your favorite part about shoulder season camping? Uh, I don't need ice for my beer. That also is great. Yes. It actually gets colder yeah. when you get to camp. Then it, you can just leave it on the table. Just leave it out. It's so great. Yeah. That's actually uh, one of my favorite reasons to dirt ride during shoulder seasons is because you can leave the beer in the back of the truck and it stays cold. Mm-hmm. You can have a fire for in between rides to warm up mm-hmm. and not worry about it. And also, like, if you're not camping, you just pop in the truck at the end of the day and go home. It's great. Change your clothes. You're dry yep. and warm immediately. Yep. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, shoulder season camping. If anybody has any questions, please leave them in the comments. We will get to them and be here to assist with all of your uh, needs and I guess, uh, unless you have anything else to add, Ben, anything, just, any other, just th- if you have tips, throw them in. Like I yeah. think we're smarter right. and better together when we share our knowledge. Cause obviously we don't know everything. So no. um, if you've got hints and tips for this type of camping, leave them in the comments. Yeah. Or gear suggestions we might've missed, obviously mm. throw those in as well. But in the meantime, thank you so much for being here with your favorite internet writing buddies. Uh, this is the graceful renegade signing off. Yeah, and I'm the dork in the road, and I want you to never forget your tagline, which you did, but uh, (laughs) to be excellent to each other. And also live wild, ride free. There it is. Uh, Thank you. Bye.